Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. Many years ago, those who practiced psychotherapy were concerned about the nature and form of doctor-patient relationships. These included the concepts of boundaries, and it would speak to such items as how much a patient should know about the doctor's private life, what are acceptable means of confidential and other communications, could there be some non-professional, almost social interactions between the doctor and the patient, and so on. The Internet is now forcing the mental health community to restudy boundaries. Today we are joined by psychiatrist David Brendel, who is the Associate Medical Director at the Pavilion at McLean Hospital in Boston. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. The Internet has changed so much insofar as the limits and safety of personal self-disclosure for both the doctor and the patient. What concerns are coming out of this new technology? What do we need to be worried about? Well, there are concerns in many different regards here. Uh, There are concerns about what patients may find out about doctors on the Internet. There are things that doctors may choose to put on the Internet. There are other things that doctors may learn is posted on the Internet about themselves that they had no choice in at all. And then conversely, there's an increasing question about whether doctors can or should or perhaps must search for information about their patients online, such as by using search engines like Google. So there are increasing questions both of a practical nature and an ethical nature about doctors finding out about their patients and patients finding out about their doctors. And it raises the question of privacy for both, too, because the doctor ought to be able to have a Facebook page if he or she should desire. It depends upon how it's used. One would think that doctors should be able to maintain a private life, even on the Internet, even if they use a site like Facebook. And that is possible to do if, if the physician is sophisticated about the appropriate privacy settings. The problem, though, is that the privacy settings keep changing. This is a very dynamic area of technology, and what may be private one day, the next day may be available to millions of people searching on the Internet. And certainly, when you're dealing with people who are able to hack into sites, the site may not be private at all, even if all the privacy settings are chosen quite carefully. So at this point, physicians are prudent to presume that anything that they put up on Facebook or other social networking sites may not be as private as they would hope. One of the things that keeps coming to my mind as we prepared for our talk this evening is that the social networking relationship, when we post material out there about ourselves or patients post them information about themselves, is what is the definition that the therapist wants What is the desired treatment relationship, I think, would be a better way of putting it? And it's very complex, but does Googling and learning social network information, does it change the nature of the relationship? What is psychiatry and mental health looking to do with all this information? Well, I think there's a question about what patients are looking for that you know that comes first and is a question that has been explored somewhat in the in the medical literature. Do, people are going onto the internet and trying to find information out about where did my doctor go to medical school, what's his or her specialty, are there any comments from other patients? And there are many different sites now that assess physicians and in many cases post ratings or comments from, from previous patients. So we know that 
patients are doing that, and I think physicians are well served to just presume that their patients are doing that. In, in a past era, they may have spoken to a friend or a neighbor about a doctor. Now people are going onto the internet and finding out that information. Beyond that, many patients are very curious about their doctors, and especially in psychiatry, where the relationship can become so personal and so emotionally intense, and there can be development of a significant transference reaction and an enormous amount of interest in finding out personal information about the physician. Is he or she married? What political party? Where does my doctor live? Questions like that. So there are the questions from the patient side about the doctor. And then on the doctor's side, there's increasing number of physicians that are going on to the internet and trying to get information about their patients. In many, or perhaps most cases, they're doing it to try to get additional clinical information that may not otherwise be available seen many situations in emergency room settings where the patient was not able to provide very much information and there were no family members or friends available. And by simply Googling the patient, in some cases, a great deal of information could be obtained. And there have been situations I know of where family members could be contacted to come in and make important medical decisions. So much of the desire to search for patient information is driven by clinical necessity or clinical interest. But there can be situations where the searching for patient information becomes somewhat more questionable and may shade over into something that's more voyeuristic. And is there a sense that the doctor should ask for an informed consent before he starts looking into a patient's background, even though it's public information? There is. The information is in the public domain, and there has been growing debate about whether there should be a consent process before a physician searches. There's no legal guidance in this area. Perhaps at some point in the coming years, there'll be some kind of legal case that begins to set some precedent here. But right now, it is, there's no guidance, and it is pretty much a, a free-for-all. In a paper that I wrote with two of my colleagues about that, we did raise the question about obtaining informed consent before searching for a patient. We did identify that as one of the major questions that one should ask, but we can't give a definitive answer in all cases. For the obtunded patient in the emergency room without anybody there to help them make medical decisions, you obviously can't get consent. So we don't want to make an absolute rule about getting consent, but in general, that probably would be the more prudent way to go. Is there any sense of community agreement that the doctor should disclose to the patient that they've found something on the internet that, that may be a bit racier or a bit unexpected on the part of the doctor. There's the question about consent before doing the search, and then there's a related but separate question about disclosing to the patient what was found after the search is conducted, and those are two separable questions. My colleagues and I also raised that as one of the questions that a physician should ask before conducting a Google search on a patient. And again, here there, there are no easy answers. In many and possibly most cases, if something unexpected is found there and it is informing clinical decision-making and there is a question about entering it in the medical record, in the vast majority of cases, that should in some way be brought up with the patient for discussion. One of the problems that all of us have in psychiatry is that so much of our diagnostic database is only the material we get directly from the patient when they're in the office talking to us. So the Internet offers us a look outside of our office, and I've often been troubled, as and you used the word voyeurism a little while ago, whether we're joining them in their activities as we watch what they did this weekend with all the pictures from Facebook or on Facebook. Are we watching them? Is there a quality of spying? And you used the word voyeurism. How much should the doctor 
doctors suspect in a patient and then go looking to make sure his diagnostic impression is correct. I, I see it as potentially a very valuable tool, but we have to be very careful about how we use it. That, it's a great question, and I completely agree that we need to be cautious and thoughtful about how we use it. On one hand, we would not want to miss something obvious. If a patient comes in and tells us an outlandish story, we may decide that this person is manic or psychotic until we go and do an internet search and see that all or most of it is actually true. So in that case, it seems to serve the diagnostic and treatment process very well to do an internet search. On the other hand, to what degree do we as psychiatrists want to become reality police and question everything that our patients are telling us and think that we can get some kind of external confirmation? The heart of our practice is still going to be in meeting people face-to-face -face in the office and making a clinical assessment based on the information they tell us and our clinical intuition. One of the issues that I've had with some of my patients, and I'd like your thoughts on this, is that I've begun to feel obligated to educate, as part of my therapy in, in some respects, to educate uh, patients about the implications of their use of the Internet. It's the concept of endless and deathless data. And I remember an old rabbi telling me a long time that the definition, I thought it was cute, the definition of marriage is doing a very private thing in a very public way. And now that people post so much on the Internet, it may seem benign enough, but they're doing something in a very public way. Are we becoming the people who have to educate about the safety of the Internet? I think there, there are many acute safety issues, as we've seen with so many of the stories in the media lately about bullying and how that can lead on to serious mental health problems and even suicide. So there are definitely safety issues that I think psychiatrists need to be aware of and educate our patients about, and particularly younger patients who are spending so much time on the Internet and can be so influenced by what they're reading and, and seeing on social networking sites. I think there's also the, the question about people being able to filter information, maybe medical information, it may be other important information, and educating people about how risky it can be to trust what is read on an Internet site. So there's that layer of things as well. And then I think on a more deeply psychological and existential level, there's the question about to what degree is our sense of ourself changing because nothing appears to be private anymore. So many people are sharing so much personal information on the Internet. And even if you choose to be one of the people who does not have a Facebook page and does not do a Google search, where people like that are losing control over what other people might post about them. If you go to a wedding and somebody takes a picture of you, that may go up on, on a Facebook page the next day for hundreds or millions of people to see. And so even if you are not posting yourself on Facebook, the chances that you are going to show up on a Facebook site and have people point out what your name is and what you were doing and how you looked is increasingly likely. If a physician or a therapist receives an invitation from a patient to become a friend, I think that's what they call it, a friend on yes. Facebook, that could be a very sticky situation if the patient is really just trying to be nice and friendly. It could be innocent, but again, there's, there's, a, there's a quality about it that's unsettling. It, it is unsettling, and I think it needs to be handled with care. The simplest way to preserve the traditional patient-doctor boundary there would be to ignore the invitation. However, there are going to be patients who may be hurt or feel rejected by that, and it could damage the patient-doctor relationship. And so in, in a separate paper that I wrote with 
colleagues on how physicians should think about handling Facebook uh, situations such as these, we say that doctors should never initiate a friending invitation to a patient, but if one comes from a patient, there should be every, every effort should be made to discuss the meaning and nature of the invitation, preferably in person. There are probably going to be some unusual cases where accepting the invitation can help to advance the treatment relationship, but in most cases, at this point, physicians probably are well advised to not accept the invitation, but to discuss the meaning and nature of it with the patient. Is there any sense of what a physician should do if a disgruntled patient or the family member of a disgruntled patient or a disgruntled family posts something on Craigslist or someplace else, and it's just wrong, or it's clearly just an, uh, an isolated event, how should the physician handle it? Because everyone else can read it. It's very difficult for physicians or for really anybody these days to fully monitor and control their internet presence and their reputation. There are some internet companies that are starting to offer services in which they will work on taking down damaging or false websites that, that may hurt the reputation of a physician. But that can be expensive and, and time-consuming. There was a suggestion in a paper by a couple of my colleagues at Mass General published in JAMA a couple of years ago about other things physicians may do to control their presence on internet searches, and that could involve posting your own websites so that when somebody does a Google search on you, what's preferentially going to come up is what you've put on the internet and not what somebody else has put there. It's a very difficult area, and it's probably an area that can't be entirely controlled, but at the very least, physicians should periodically Google themselves and monitor their uh, internet presence. I, I agree entirely, and if one begins to see a problem, then, like you said, putting your own website on is very good. And there are ways to change your position in the search engines, and it's a little bit more complicated than we can get to today, but there are, yes. there are some techniques. I thought that the use of the term uh, patient-targeted Googling was very interesting, and, and I've heard you talk about it. And then it occurred to me that PTG, the initials, could also go for physician-targeted Googling. It goes both ways. <laughs> that, yes, that's very interesting. It, 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 does go, it does go both ways. And at times, <laughs> physicians may be Googling other physicians who are their friends. <laughs> it seems that everybody's Googling everybody these days. But when, when we're doing it within our clinical practice, we should add an additional level of thoughtfulness and, and caution. What's the response as you talk to doctors about this? Many of the older doctors are not particularly technology savvy. Many of the younger ones, they've grown up with it. What's been the general flavor of the response as you bring all these issues up? The response I found is really all over the map and very hard to predict. There are some older psychoanalysts even into their 80s, who are not very familiar with the Internet technologies, but when it's described to them, they say, or at least some of them have said, well, that information is in the public domain and it might help me to better understand and treat my patients, so it's fine to do it. Not the response that I expected from that group. And then there, at the same time, there are much younger and tech-savvy psychiatrists who are less focused on the psychotherapy or psychoanalytic relationship, more medically or psychopharmacologically oriented, who are very cautious about it and think that the use of these internet sites has a time and a place and in your practice is, doesn't count as one of those times and places. So the, it's very hard to predict what the, what the response or attitude is going to be on the part of physicians. And we've also done some monitoring of 
blogs and other websites uh, in response to the article. And the public's reaction to this is all, also all over the map. Some people are saying, I search for my doctor. There's no reason my doctor shouldn't search for me. I would like to know that my doctor's thinking about me outside of sessions. And then at the other end of the spectrum, people saying it's an invasion of privacy and it's creepy and it should be illegal. What I find fascinating about the entire process, and if I use the word renaissance in the wrong absolute meaning, it to me it is a renaissance of sorts because the renaissance of this technology is forcing us to look at the nature of our relationships is what I, what I want yeah. to say, that it's going to be fascinating to see how this turns out in the next couple of years. It's, it's an incredible time to be alive and watch all this. I, I think it's true. I think the, the explosion in communication and information on the internet has so many implications for relationships in general. The, the doctor-patient piece of it is just one slice of that, but, but a fascinating slice and one that I think is going to have important implications for our practice for years to come. And I think one of the things that's really intriguing is that we have lost the control of so much of the information about us. When we used to be able to keep things in a little library in a little town somewhere in Oklahoma, it would be really hard to find. It's it's very difficult, and I think it's one of the reasons that some psychiatrists and many patients favor the idea of a strictly a paper record that goes into a folder and gets locked up in a file cabinet and never sees the light of day electronically. And that opens up an, an massive question about the role of electronic medical records and where all that's going to go, which is subject for another day. Yes. We've been talking with David Brendel, who is the Associate Medical Director at the Pavilion at McLean Hospital in Boston. We've been talking about the issues of the internet technology and how it is coming into the world of mental health and all the problems and maybe some of the benefits that we can obtain from it. Dr. Brendel, thank you so much for being with us. It's my pleasure.